Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 223. My name is Matt, as always, joined by my co-host, Evan. Down down weekend for the both of us. Down weekend for the both of us. Uh, I think one of us is a little bit further down than the other. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we will have plenty of time to get into that. Okay, well, recap before we get into anything specific of uh, predictions from last weekend. <laughs> Again, negative for the bunch. Zach three and seven again, uh, and then Evan and I both four and six. So, so All right. starting to lose pace still. Well, now Evan caught up to Zach. They're tied eighty-seven seventy-three, and I have ninety-four and sixty-six. So I got a seven seven game lead there. Yeah, could be crashing soon with this hectic Christmas <laughs> period. Um, but uh, yeah. We got a lot of football to be played. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, I was about to go on a rant, but let's just let's just stick to game by game, and we'll let the stories come to us. Um, big weekend for VAR and a lot of cards here, uh, isn't it? Always. Yeah, I, mean, I heard a lot of different. I started listening to the um that podcast with Lineker, yeah, Sheer and uh, Richards. Yeah, I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. They big meeks. Yeah, they had a lot of interesting thoughts of VAR and throwing out ideas for future of what it could be. So. Maybe we'll throw bits of that in at the end. But, yeah, they had some things to say about this game as well. Liverpool 2, Palace 1. They left it late. Mateta comes in, 57th minute, uh, gets the on a penalty goal. Uh, was a late look-back VAR decision. It was a couple minutes after the play finished, and they reverted to it. Controversial there. Liverpool really slow. Trying to make some changes there. Elliot and Jones come in. That's the... One thing we've seen a lot of teams have been struggling with is a spark off the bench, and both players played a key figure in Liverpool getting back into this. Curtis Jones getting the assist from Mo Salah for the first, and then Harvey Elliott getting the winner from a Mo Salah assist. So we were talking about Salah being a bit scapegoaty, a little sleepish, sluggish, and he plays a pivotal part in them winning this game. So this result ended up having them finishing first in the weekend, so they're currently 37 points above or sorry, 37 points in first, one point above Arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. Overall thoughts on the early kickoff, Klopp's favorite time. It always ends in a in a disaster of sorts, but they scraped the three points here. Yeah, I mean, you just got to give it to them. They, If you want to win, this is what you have to do, is make sure that you're not dropping any sort of pointage uh, to a club like Crystal Palace in the state that they're in. Um, maybe not pretty, you know, definitely not the sharpest we've seen Liverpool. Um, I, I don't, I think they're absolutely missing a little bit of a step with, uh, with no McAllister, but I would imagine that Endo and Gravenberch will, will sort of mesh in and, and think we'll get a little bit better there. Um, that Kwanzaa kid getting the start at the back, I thought was, um, was interesting. Honestly, I thought they'd just give Konate the start over him, but they, they wanted to give him a shot, so that's something to keep your eye on moving forward. Interesting. He's very young. I think that's his second um, start this year in the league. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He got a start earlier on this year as well. Uh, I looked it up because he was on somebody's fantasy bench, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you um, for having him? But he looked okay. I don't think he, you know, I don't think he was too far behind the pace of play. Um, and like I was saying, I mean, this is the kind of game that you just have to make sure that you take three points from. And. Although the IU second yellow was like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty soft. Um, 
they got the red. It gave Liverpool enough momentum to to nick the late one, uh, and they did. So uh, you know, you gotta take your hat off and kind of applaud them, but um, certainly not you know a convincing performance from Liverpool. They've looked much much better than this uh, in a majority of their games this season. But three points is three points. Yeah, the the double yellow for IU hurts as well as the another injury to Lerma. He came off with a bit of a, le- a leg injury. It seemed like yes. so. Uh, Elise didn't start in this game as well. He was a substitute for the injured Lerma. So Palace is going through a really rough uh, spurt right here. Five games without a win, four of those being defeats. They dropped to 15th position now on 16 points. Um, but And as well, Sam Johnston picked up an injury to end goal. So youngster Remy Matthews had to come in. Or Sorry, not youngster. He's 29, but it was basically their... It was our third, third third string goalie last year. Now he's the backup since Gwaitz has been phased out. So he's definitely going to have to step up in the next few fixtures for them. And, yeah, it's not looking too promising for them. And, yeah, just Liverpool showing that dominance. Trent still balling out. Kwanzaa did come out at for the start of the second half for Joe Gomez. So we saw a bit of a change there from Klopp. And that's just the thing we're seeing. We're seeing the truly good managers are making the right tactical decisions to make the adjustments and bring those players on to make the difference and you saw every sub in this game have an effect on the game in a positive matter and that's ultimately what you want your manager to do is to make a positive change on the game for the overall Mm -hmm. benefit and get the result and we're seeing that's why they're at the top of the table and some other teams are struggling with that so yep good for them we move to a team on the opposite end big club but management isn't there overall structure of the club isn't there either man united three nil at home to bournemouth back to the roller coaster flippy flop rayola i believe this is bournemouth's first ever win at old trafford in the top flight that's correct historic moment for them um we saw goals all around uh start in the fifth minute from dom solanke uh, off a, a build out mistake from united bruno fernandez miss Misplaying a ball to McTominay, weren't on the same page. Quick interception for a counter cutback. Nothing else in the rest of the first half. We see Philip Billing get the second in the 68th, and then five minutes later, Marco Senesi gets the third to put him away. Right after that, all the fans started clearing out. Rashford once again did not start, comes in the 79th, a um, bit under the weather, but doesn't put, provide anything much of a performance. And Bruno Fernandes picked up his fifth yellow, so he'll be out for their next matchup against Liverpool this Sunday, which is gonna is setting up to be a disaster for United, it seems. This is one of the worst midfields in the Premier League. Um, I like Scott McTominay. I think he's actually a good player, but he's not really a midfielder. He's he's kind of like Ducore, except. He doesn't do any of the defensive stuff that Ducore does. He should almost be played as like a center forward behind an actual striker. Um, I mean, that would require a full formation change in order to just use Scott McTominay. Obviously, that's not you know reasonable to expect from Ten Hag, but he is not a midfielder. Sofian Amrabat is just not, in my opinion, of the Premier League quality. Uh, really good at Fiorentina, probably should have stayed there. He is not fit to be playing in this United team. Um, Garnacho has a good game, seems like every other game, but it's really hard to have a good game as a winger when you're not getting the supply you need from your fullback and from 
the midfielder that's playing right behind you, especially with kind of how narrow uh, Granacho can get at times. <laughs> this is just a complete nightmare. Um, there's seemingly no passion. There's seemingly no direction. Uh, McTominay says a lot, you know, they're playing well within the system. I don't necessarily see that at all. Uh, I don't think they're playing well whatsoever. They nick a result here or there. They got the result against Chelsea, but I, I, I'm not I'm not moved by this experiment whatsoever. And I think from from top to bottom, this team is just in shambles. I mean, your your most consistent player this season has been fucking Harry Maguire, who's somebody that you know they wanted on the out last, not even five months ago. Yeah, and now, I, and now I, he's, I have no idea. Now he's injured. He got injured in the Munich game today in the Champions League. Charles injured too. They all got injured as well. So. so I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, but Bruno Fernandez cannot solve all your problems, and he's certainly not going to be able to solve any problems next week when he's not playing. It should give Scott McTominay a chance to play attacking mid. So we'll see, but this is a complete nightmare. They, they need to be starting uh, Cubby Mainu too at this point. I mean, he should absolutely be starting over Amrabat. That, that guy is fucking horrendous. Do you think there comes a certain point where you need to adjust your tactics? Because it seems like yeah, no, matter how yeah, many injuries, no matter how many injuries, he's still trying to plug these guys into these into these square pegs as they're round and their square pegs going into round holes. And maybe just like switch it to a formation where the next two to three weeks just play for the points. Doesn't matter how the game looks, just try to play to get the result. Not eight. Not focus on how it looks. Like they don't have. Well, you you just talked about all these individual players. They they just can't do what he wants in in his system at the moment. So they just need to find a way to adjust and focus on two to three guys being in their prime positions and everybody else having to just adjust to support those players. I mean, I'm at the point now, like where I look at this United team and I'm like. Well, now they can't play with three at the back, unfortunately. But, um, you know, swap it out. Go for a five at the back. Go for a three at the back. Uh, maybe less in the congestion in the midfield. Just play Kobe Minu in there by himself as a DM. Like, there's there's so many things that they could do to, to change things up. Um, maybe play with two up top. You could switch to just a regular flat 4-4-2. Four, four, this whatever formation and style that he's aiming for right now whether this is what he played at Ajax or not uh it's it's horrendous man it's so bad and the team you don't have the individual talent to make up for bad formation or for other players that don't know how to play in this formation you don't have a talisman they don't have one right now they garnacho is the closest thing they have to a talisman at that's horrendous man that is that is not good uh, for a club like manchester united to not have a marquee player they had rooney they had ronaldo uh they before that they had beckham they've got guys the list is just so long they have no one no one to carry the weight of the team it's horrible this is the one of the worst United teams I've seen. I've said this a million times in just the short time we've been, you know, doing the pod. It, it the fall from grace is like it's, it's disgusting. Do you think it? Do you think it all falls on management and the players, or do you think there comes a certain point where? No, it's top I, down. I heard today they said the United has tried every sort of manager. They went with the former player 
friendly. They went with the old school manager with Mourinho. They they're going with the current hot hottest thing in Ten Hag. Um, they went with Moyes in the past. Like they had they they've had every type of manager you can have and what style and if they're hard on players or soft with them. Like it all seems not to work and that can only you can only look at the top top of the top brass type guys like who who are the people running the club who are the scouts looking at and giving to managers to use like it seems like that's seeming the more ish, more of the issue as well as Chelsea at the moment that's one thing you can compare United and Chelsea the top end of it just doesn't seem to connect with the the coaches and that and I'm not saying that to push the blame away from them because those those guys are being paid top dollar to do their jobs with what they have and they're not providing the results so they should be held accountable too but it just seems all a, a big mess from all all sides of things the biggest issue quite frankly is the fact that united had the greatest man in my opinion the greatest football manager ever for 25 years and no one, no matter what, is ever going to stack up in one, a management sense board-wise, and two, you know, to the fans, to Sir Alex Ferguson. It's not going to happen, ever. Louis Van Hall was probably the most similar manager that they could have gotten to Fergie. He was cold, um, you know, pretty job-focused. Ten Hag kind of gives me that vibe, like, kind of icy, but... He's just not tactically or personnel-wise anywhere close to where Van Hall, and he didn't have a great team either, or, you know, Fergie was. He doesn't have anything the board hasn't supported him, I don't think, all that much. And he's also just not that great of a manager, and he's not going to get the support from fans or players. People go to Manchester United when they sign the contract there, at least up until a couple of years ago, you're going to, if not the biggest club in England, a top three club in England and the world, really. And they're not that anymore. So I think players get disheartened. Fans get disheartened. It's top down really bad. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the table here, it's it's the main stat that sticks out is they're not scoring enough goals. Every No, team, they don't score. Every team in the top eight has over 30 goals, while United only has 18. So that's crazy. So they're averaging just about a goal a game, and it's just the play, the development's not there to get it to the key guys. And when the key guys do have the ball, they're not able to produce uh, those moments to be clinical. So yeah, we can go on and on about them, but we'll touch on them a little later when we talk about Chelsea too. So, but mm-hmm. uh, we move on. Bit of a surprising result here. We talked about not having any faith in Sheffield and we don't know what to expect from them. And Chris Wilder comes in in a second match and gets a big result over a Brentford team that honestly, they couldn't have played at a better time. Um, Brentford Brentford down with a lot of injuries to their main players and Sheffield capitalized. We see the only goal in the match come in the second half uh, from James McAtee, the Man City Loney uh, assisted Mm -hmm. by Gustavo Hamer, their new signing this year. So that they're linking up a nice moment for him. He's been playing well over the last few fixtures and then from there on out, it was just back and forth. Brentford held most of the possessions, about 60 to 40 shots-wise, down pretty even, 10 to 9 in Brentford's favor. Both four had, both teams had four on target. Uh, both goalies making big moments. Uh, Sheffield's scary there, but 
they finally get their first clean sheet of the year, and they get their second win of the year. They close the gap to the teams above them. They're only five points away from the drop, or sorry, from safety. Um, what do you think for Sheffield's end? New manager bounce. You saw how much it meant to, to Chris Wilder after they scored an emotional moment for not only him, but the players and all the fans especially, just to see the the fruits of their labor. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to see, especially after they played pretty well against Liverpool last week, I thought. Um, very, very nice moment for uh, Chris Wilder there at Bramall Lane. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that you really like to see, especially after he was essentially the one that brought them up in the first place. Um, I, I thought that was really cool. They played all right. Uh, I mean, they played really well compared to past standards and standards this year. They played amazing. Um, but I think a, a, a lot of this result just comes down to how poor Brentford uh you know played and they've kind of been playing poorly uh UNV started the season really well but has dropped off in terms of um you know creativity moving forward isn't assisting isn't scoring isn't finding himself in the same pockets that he has you know in seasons past especially you know at the end of last year he played quite well um, they've lost in Buemo, and I don't think the midfield is quite as inspiring as it probably should be. Um, I don't know. This team right now, like, in terms of stability, I think is lacking uh, a real striker. Having Ivan Tony is such a huge uh, burden that gets lifted off of you because you know he's a proven goal scorer. Right now, they're having to trot out Neil Mopai, which is something that nobody should ever have to deal with. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I Obviously, I think Thomas Frank's job is shit, is safe. I'm not worried about that. But they're not playing an inspired brand of football this year. It's been very kind of defensive, sit back on your haunches. The way they played against Arsenal was really kind of indicative of where they are identity-wise this season. They just threw like 9 or 10 behind the ball and just defended. Um yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm really kind of unmoved by the the Brentford project this year, especially after how uh, excellent I thought they were last year. Yeah, I don't, I keep using this as a talking point. I don't want to come out as an excuse, but all their key players are hurt. That Yeah, they are that hurt. makes yeah. you want to watch them. They're gone. You, you mentioned Tony, and Buemo, Jensen as their creative mid, and we forget Rico Henry early in the year picked up that mm. harsh injury, him at left back bombing forward yeah. getting them wide getting the ball giving them width him being out hurts and they just have to plug in plug in the holes and those guys just can't hold up to that same standard and that's again comes down to the coaching and management you have to find a way to make it work and to get results and be competitive in these games and they're dropping points and points and points in every game week i'm thinking all right they're right here with chelsea they're going to jump us they're going to jump us and they do the same thing as us and now we fall behind them based off goal differential now but yeah, they just can't capitalize on these teams that are struggling around them, and it just comes down to fitness and, and injury problems. So, yeah, I think this is going to continue. We're going to see them be tough. Don't don't get it twisted. They're going to be competitive in every game, but I, when it comes down to needing a moment to get them out of a, out of a dark spot, they, they're just not going to have it nine times out of ten. So um, they're hoping for this winter break to come quick. Yeah. Um, go ahead. All right. Moving on, Wolves won, Forrest won, a massive point for Steve Cooper. Talks before the game were saying if they lost, he was gone. Um, I don't know how accurate that was, but I agree. Like, a fifth loss in a row would really be something. 
Um, this point gets them above Everton. If they would have lost, they would have been in 17th position, but they keep that that uh, safety blanket there of a point above Everton, five above the drop where Luton is. Wolves, on the other hand here, get another tough, tough point uh, up and down. They sit 13th, tied with three other clubs on 19 points. Um, both goals coming in the first half, though. Nico Williams, somebody that we haven't seen much time from, comes in, gets a nice whipped cross into the other fullback or wingback, uh, Harry Tuffalo, their new signing this year from Ipswich, or sorry, Huddersfield. He gets the first, uh, and then Mateus Cunha, he bags in the 32nd from Pablo Sarabia, who should definitely be starting more often. Yeah, he's having a great year. I mean, they bought him from PSG. If you're getting signed at PSG, you must have something about you. So, yeah, that's definitely something that's working for them. They're, they're supposed to get Pedro Neto back within the next week or so, so they're going to be flying soon. Overall, good team system there for them. They're using all their subs. They have depth off the bench that can hold up to what Gary O'Neill wants out of his players. That's something uh, very few teams have right now is three to four guys to come off the bench and carry forward what the main 11 were doing. Um, and after that, it wasn't really too much. 10, 10 to 8 shots wise Wolves favor 4 to 2 shots on target Wolves dominate possession 68 to 32 um, main stat Forest absolute demons when it comes to the tackles here 21 yeah. tackles to Wolves 9 um, you see where the ball you saw how the game played out Wolves had it in, in hand Forest just capitalized on one big moment to get something out of this game um, I guess starting with Forest here they changed it up they went with the 5 back yeah. No Chris Wood, no Origi. They went with the Langan Gibbs White up top, so no identified number nine. Earns them a point. Um, what are you thinking for Steve Cooper here? He's doing what we were saying. He changed up the tactics. Yeah, he changed it up. Yeah, I think this is that that's good. I mean, we, we said last week, actually a couple weeks in a row here, that something needed to change. Um, Matty Turner back in the side. Great yep. to see. Um, yeah, this was much better. They're, they're getting a little bit more width. Uh, the center backs are obviously a little bit more spaced out at the back, but you're getting Toffolo, who can go forward. He's gone forward many, many times, um, you know, throughout the season, even when they were playing a little bit flatter back there. Um, and Nico Williams, another player, you know, Liverpool player, um, plenty quick. It's good to see those guys get forward. Um, you have a little bit more in terms of attacking threat. Those guys that they have in the center of the pitch with Kuyate, Mangala, and Yates. Yates can get forward, but Mangala and Kuyate are bigger guys. Um, you have them to cover center if you need to. This was much, much better. I think the game plan was better. Um, Wolves are tough to play, even without Pedro Neto. Uh, they're in 13th. It's not like they're you know a world beater, um, but they, they, they don't quit. Um, I, I watched them against Arsenal. We had a, we left it pretty late. Uh, um, or I'm sorry, <clears throat> they fought pretty late in that game to stay in it. Yeah. They're they're not easy to play against. Um, yeah, I, I was impressed with the way that Nottingham Forest um, played. I think breaking down the back five with Semedo and Bueno uh, is is challenging, especially for. Gibbs White, who hasn't gotten as much time or shine really as I would have expected this year, uh, but yeah, well, well played, I think by by Nottingham Forest. Wolves are going to be kicking themselves a little bit. Uh, they they lost possession a lot in the field when they were in promising positions. At least back to your tackles point, um, but yeah, definitely a better point for Forest than it is for Wolves. 
Yeah, past their past uh, success in the game for Forest only sixty eight percent to Wolves mm-hmm. eighty five. So it was more counter counter attack based for Forest, and I think Gibbs White you mentioned not shining as much this season it comes down to uh, Taiwo Wani's fitness, having that clear number nine big forward target man to draw attention away from Gibbs White and let him be more of a roamy creative guy. It's it's just not working out for him there, and it seems like Alanga's really cut out into this. This starting 11, he's always one of the first guys on the team sheet. Steve Cooper's grown to like him. Every game he's on the he's on the starting lineup, so that's good to see from him. He has a leg up over Hudson Adoy. And yeah, we'll see. I'm sure they'll continue with this formation because they have a couple defensive injuries back there. I think I saw Serge Aurier is out until the end of the month. Um, they kicked out McKenna and club captain Joe Worrell for some reason. Yeah. Apparently they're they're both going to be leaving in January. It it says not behavioral issues or anything. It just seems like they've just been forced out of the squad ultimately. So that's tough to see for them. Not a good way to leave the club. They they were both a part of them getting promoted. So that's leadership leaving the locker room, and they're going to have to find a way to get these results as we keep mentioning. So um, moving on, Brighton Burnley, another one one mm. draw. We, we see Burnley pick up a, a point here where they need it. It keeps them above Sheffield, but they're still five points away from safety. We saw the replacement for Kolyosho for Burnley speaking score right before or yeah right before the half. Wilson Odebart Odebart I think he's Belgian or something, but he or sorry French. Nineteen years old. He comes in to replace him. Gets a debut goal for the in the Prem, and then we see Brighton. Push, 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 72% possession, 29 yep. shots to Burnley, 6, 11 shots on target for Brighton. Uh, we had to wait until the 77th minute. Pascal Gross had himself a day, absolutely pinging balls in. A dinger gets on the end of one to equalize. James Trafford stood on his, on his fucking head all game. Oh, my God. Uh, definitely earned man of the match, ultimately. And he, yeah. he kept him in. They earned a big point on the road. Uh, Deserby drops points again they sit in eighth position tied on points with newcastle with 26 points only behind them on goal differential they're leveling out to right where we think they're going to be mid table upper mid table fighting dealing with the injury bug as well um lewis dunk was back from his suspension he was a big factor for them changing things up and evan ferguson got the start up top but couldn't find the back of the net yeah, I'm really happy to see Evan Ferguson getting the start. I'm not sure what the idea behind not starting Matoma is. Um, fitness. Like, I guess fitness, and yeah. they are using him midweek. Like, yeah. it's not like they're you know they're in European competition, but um, they're trying to secure get... that top spot so they automatically qualify for the Europa. I don't know. I just I've always like I feel like when I look at the bench and I'm seeing you know. Matoma's name against uh, up alongside Igor Julio, Billy Gilmore, uh, Facundo Buonanate, and Jack Hinchel. What it's like, you know, it's just a bit strange. You would expect him to start, uh, especially with the fact that Pedro was super inconsistent. He's had a really like a couple really good games in Europe, um, and he's he's getting a lot of starting time in Europe. So I wouldn't like I would have thought you know Matoma would kind of slide in and play in that. Essentially left attacking mid roll. They're not quite. He, Pedro's not quite as wide. He is a natural striker. Um, yeah, so I thought that was strange. But again, you know, Brighton looked 
okay. Uh, that Adingra kid, we mentioned even at the end of last season, I think. He looks really good. Uh, it was either the beginning of this season or, or uh, end of last. He's really, really good. He's quick on the ball. Uh, excellent skill. Proven to be a little, you know, or at least somewhat deft at finishing. That's that's great. Uh, having a Dingra and Matoma is going to be awesome, especially if Evan Ferguson develops into the striker that I think he can be. Um, nice to see Lewis dunk back. However, you have to do more than just draw Burnley right now. They're pretty awful still. You know, they do have a couple of wins. They've got two wins now, which is nice. Um, and two draws. They're on eight points. Pretty awful. Um, and you know, this defense has been leaking goals all season. I would have expected Brighton, even with a thinner squad with no Matoma, to still be able to put quite a few past Burnley, but they couldn't do it. So um, I guess, you know, cheers to Burnley. And honestly, it it is really nice to see them get something out of a game uh, after what, what James Trafford, you know, did. I feel so bad for that kid. His confidence, no matter how well he plays or doesn't play, has to be absolutely smoked with how many goals they've let up this season. It is so hard to keep your head up as a goalkeeper after letting in that many goals, whether it's your fault or, or not. Um, really nice to see, because I think he's a, he's a good player. He's going to be a good keeper in this league. Um, it, it's nice to see them get a point for the kid because I know he's fucking trying his best. Yeah, Brighton and Luton are the only teams left that haven't secured a clean sheet this year, so we, we understand what the problem is for Brighton there. Um, Burnley, they just have to find points where they can. I believe they got a nice matchup. Well, not nice. They, they host Everton, which is a team you don't want to play right now. They're flying at the moment, and mm-hmm. Burnley at home are really bad, so we'll have to see how they do, and Brighton, I talked about their Europa League. They, they're they in second on 10 points in their group, where Marseille is first on 11, and they play each other Thursday for the for the top seed, which is an automatic qualification spot. Yep. Um, if they lose that game or draw, they'll have to play a playoff game. So that's an extra game on their schedule they don't want to have. So that's probably why Matoma started on the bench. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I believe one more. Yep, the last game Saturday, unfortunately. Yeah. Aston Villa 1, Arsenal nil. Let you take this away. Uh, yeah. So a 1-0 loss at Villa Park. Uh, Villa still undefeated at home this year. But it was only 1-0, and we didn't get battered. I actually think we... I don't know if this is biased or not. Some people... Some other people have said they thought Arsenal looked better than Villa. I do. I actually do think we looked better. I think we looked a whole hell of a lot better than City did when they played Villa. What's that? Yeah, they should. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I think we moved the ball around really well. It was a a momentary lapse in the seventh minute. Um, Bailey just kind of lost his runner, uh, started the move on the right, squeezed between, between three other defenders and kept going. Uh, got it back from Telemans, uh, and then just squared it to McGinn. Really nice turn, finish, uh, top, you know, far right. There were, Ryan was never going to get to that. So, uh, upsetting. Then I thought Arsenal had quite a bit of, of nice play, uh, at the end of the first half. Uh, Jesus had a chance. 
Uh, Rice had a chance after winning the ball back. Zinchenko had a chance. Everybody really kind of got forward and, and did their job to try and at least nick a goal. Then at the end, we had the goal that was uh, varred off because I guess Havertz touched it. It was like a triple handball touch, but it wasn't actually him that wound up knocking it into the goal. It was in Ketia. Um, that was kind of shitty, but it probably would have been a handball either way because it was called that way on the field. Uh, I can't really blame VAR for that, but Villa continually, it's not like they threw a million people behind the ball after they scored. They continued to play their style of football. And I don't, like, I don't, I, I can't harbor any ill will towards them because they're just playing really well. It's very complete. They haven't had to deal with a shit ton of injuries. Watkins is in. Their squad rotation is excellent. Uh, and they've got guys like John McGinn who have really stepped up this season. So you got to take your hat off. Uh, even though I think Arsenal played better and we probably deserved a draw, we didn't. We didn't put the ball in the back of the net. That's the end of it. Um, and congratu congratulations to Villa. They beat City and Arsenal within four days. That is no fucking small task. Yeah, uh, after the game, Mart Emmy Martinez, the goalkeeper, was interviewed, and they brought up the question, uh, do you think you can win the title? And he said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do you think they can? I think I've heard a lot of people talking about this now the past couple of days. I think he was being sarcastic when he answered, but people are comparing it to the Leicester thing. And it's not that, man. It's not that. I think Leicester was right place, right time. Uh, I'm using what I heard today. It's not my original thought, but like their their main competition was Arsenal and Spurs. Man City was transitioning. United was ass. Chelsea was bad. That was the season we finished 10th. Um, yeah, that was Liverpool 15, was 16, right? Bad. Yep, so all the main competition you're seeing now, that was when Klopp and Pep first started too, so they weren't fully ingrained into the system. So yeah, if Villa can somehow win, if not compete for top four and get it, I that you could put that comparably even better than what Leicester did. But we're only 16 games in the year. With We still have, what is that? We've got 22 games left. There's still a lot of time. One or two injuries for them is going to cripple them. Yeah, they're going to get smoked. If Ollie Watkins gets hurt or if like Emmy Martinez gets hurt, it's a completely different game for them. It changes everything. So, well, let's not jump the gun too quick. They got two massive wins, which is respectable. But, yeah, I mean, you want to see this. You want to see it be a dogfight to the end of the year. You don't want it to be a one-horse race. I think everybody wants somebody else but City to win, Yeah, which I think all night people that support the other 19 teams would agree. Um, the only thing I'd other thing I'd add is just Mikel had a touchline ban. Do you think yeah, those, huge? Do you think those have a lot of impact on the game? It depends on the manager. Mikel is very animated and he talks to the players a lot. Um, other managers like Pep is kind of that way too, but Pochettino is a little bit more reserved. Um, Unai Emery is a little bit more reserved. He does his tactics kind of, you know, in the dressing room at halftime. Yeah, I think for somebody like Mikel, it's big. And I think for somebody like Deserby, it would be big. Pep, even Ange, like those are, you know, real issues. But the more reserved managers, it's not that big a deal. For for Mikel and this Arsenal team, who's very, you know, they, they rely on him. Um... That's it's a big deal for sure.
I don't think we played terribly. I'm I'm glad we didn't just go out there and get fucking battered at least. Because that's what some people were thinking would happen. Yeah, so Arsenal stay in second. Well, they dropped to second place now. Liverpool jumped them. Villa only one point behind Arsenal now in third. Where Man City on 33 points. Four points behind Liverpool. Yep. Uh, we jump now to the blue side of London. Um, Everton, 2-0 win over Chelsea uh. at Goodison Park. This is now Everton's third straight win in a row. Four wins in their last five. Three straight wins since the 10-point deduction. Massive. Um, Right now, if they had those 10 points, they would be in 10th place right now at 23 points. They would only be three points from a European position. Um, Goals coming from Ducori in the 54th and Louis Dobbin. Of course, an unknown player, youngster for them, just scores his first goal against us. That's a normal thing in the 91st. Um, injuries. Reese James, hamstring tweak, confirmed today. He's out until February, March. Yeah, he's getting dropped. His buddy. season's done. Um, who else? Robert Sanchez in goal picked up a knee injury when he came down. He came out late in the game. Unfortunate for Petrovic, made his debut for the club in this situation. It's not what you want. I'm sure he'll be starting, um, which McCaught come this weekend in our next upcoming match against Sheffield. So hopefully he can get some confidence there. Um, yeah, just really depressing. The For this game, we just didn't have any control. I mean, we had 72% possession, but... It was the plays no different from when Graham Potter or Lampard or Tuchel like it's just the play development's the same and the chance creation it's just there's nothing new. Cole Palmer is too young to have so much pressure on his back to create this much. Mudrick is just too fast for his own good on the ball. It's, mm-hmm. it's just we had the chances there to be involved in this game, but. We just couldn't capitalize, and it gave Everton more and more confidence as the as the game went on. DCL was always pressing us in the back. That was one thing uh, teams have been doing. They've been pressing and pressing and pressing us, and every single game, Sanchez is mispassing one, two to three balls, and that's opening things up for the other team, and it just doesn't seem like we're changing that. We're trying to emulate what Pasacoglu does with Tottenham and we're getting burned and burned and burned for it. And now I really hope we don't play the same way with a new goalkeeper that's coming from the MLS. I really hope not. I hope things are just simplified. Cucurello apparently picked up an injury as well. So I mean, back we, to four center backs, buddy. I mean, we have no right backs and no left backs fit for this game. So, well, actually that's false. We got Ian Matson. Ian Matson needs to be starting at left back. I'd rather him than Levi Colwell at left back. I mean, yeah. Dezazzi. Matson has the pace, at least he's got a little bit of pace. Like Dezazzi is not going to be able to do that. We need somebody that's creative down the left that's like agile. Yeah. Like Caldwell's big and, and can go forward a bit, but that's not his job. And yeah, Dezazzi and Batty Shield need to be playing in the middle there. Caldwell needs to be playing, rotating in there. I think Tiago Silva now two games, I think now he didn't start. Yeah. I, I, that's just where we have to be. I mean, he's the best player, best center back, but just physically can't keep up. I think we just have to stick with that and go with these new guys that are, are, 
are physically there and can keep up, and they're absolute brick walls, but too many holes, not enough confidence, and this is ultimately where I was coming with the, it's the coaching. Like, you see Postacoglu step in, unknown manager, immediately changes things and gets the players going right away to success, including the arguably the club's best ever player being sold, and he's still getting results. You see Emery take over for a struggling Aston Villa from Gerrard, instant results, gets them in Europe. Now they're in the top four. People are talking about them potentially challenging for the title, instant results. Um, who else? I mean, Deserby with Brighton takes over for Graham Potter, was had Brighton at the highest they've ever been and does even better than that instant results I don't understand what coaching is happening on the training ground and these players just aren't retaining the information and aren't producing it it's 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 Pochettino's own staff that only works when he works they know each other I just there's a disconnect it's just I don't understand why we can't get results on the pitch and at least the play to show that we're learning and growing. And now we have a matchup against the worst team in the league. If we can't put up three goals and get a clean sheet in this game, I I really think by the Christmas we could be in the bottom five. I generally do. All right. So here's how I see. I'm not. I'm not giggling at your misery. That, that's not what I mean to do. Uh, never. Oh, I don't mind either way. I, I. I know. When I look at every time I look at this Chelsea team, there's a couple of players that stick out that I think like could be in it for a long haul project. Like are going to be good when Chelsea is good. Modric, I think, is going to be good. Enzo, I think, is going to be good. Cole Palmer. Another player I think will be solid, and I think Nkunku has already proven to me that he, you know, what he did in Germany, he's very good. He's going to be good, as long as it's not a Timo regen. Hopefully it's not. Uh, Nkunku's a little bit more talented on the ball, so it's, that shouldn't be a problem. However, Moises Caicedo, looking like a lot of money spent for no reason. Um, surely there was somebody else out there across Europe's top five le- top five leagues that they could have got for a more affordable price who's doing the same job as Caicedo right now. I don't think Caicedo has made any impact on the way Chelsea have played. I know the in-depth, if you look at passes, forwards, stuff like that, the, the tiny little metrics will tell you Caicedo has been very good. He's not a difference maker. I've watched a shit ton of Chelsea this year. He does not move me whatsoever. I think... Benoit Badiashile is a very good center back. Everybody else, extremely suspect. Um, This team is super fucking young. Like, way, way, way young. They do not have a singular general outside of Thiago Silva. And you can't be a general if you don't have the pace to keep up with fucking anybody. When I think of Chelsea, I think of the just absolute demons they had when we were growing up. Frank Lampard, that is a huge loss. John Terry, those kinds of players do not exist at Chelsea anymore. They don't have any of them. And, 
you know, you're supposed to listen to your manager, but there's nobody on the pitch who's going to enforce the manager's plans. There is just no one. Connor Gallagher is probably your best bet to do that. That's horrible. And Reese James, the guy's never on the pitch, whether he is a good captain or not a good captain, he doesn't ever fucking play. Potch, when he says he needs to bring new players in, I don't know if he's wrong. I don't know how much more money you guys can spend. I mean, it's been a lot, but this team is like soulless. There's like nobody impresses me really on a normal basis outside of Palmer and Mudrick and Sterling. Sterling's been really, really good. He didn't get a start in this game. It's it's bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Sterling is... I mean, he's the top earner at the club. He's probably your best player this, so far this season. He needs oh. he needs to be a, a leader. He needs to lead by example and just can't can't do it. But he's not going to be because he's never had to do that. Yeah, I mean, he's been. He, he's it's been, just not his. It's not his thing, which is fine. He's always been a three, two, or three on the team. So he's, mm-hmm. with Liverpool, it was Sturridge and Sturridge and Suarez with him, and then. Yep. Man City, you got Aguero and Sané, and he's there, and here he's got to be the one, and he just can't carry that load with the other players supplying him. So, yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you need to find a way to get these points, and we saw Steve Cooper change things up in a desperate matter. Obviously, his job is on the line. I don't think Potch's job is on the line, so... Maybe that's why things aren't changing in the formation in that. So um, it's crazy to think we need to make more signings, but I think two to three new faces that don't have injury problems, that are experienced veterans, that are leaders on and off the field, that hold people accountable, are what this team needs. And I don't... Yeah. They don't have to be sixty, seventy million dollar signings. We saw No, I know. We saw Liverpool sign Endo, thirty year old. He was a captain for his team in the Bundesliga, a well a well seasoned vet. And yep. he's filled in when needed and has scored a big goal when it mattered. And he's led by example and upholds what the manager wants. And that's just something that Pochettino needs. He needs to have more say on who comes in. And I don't know. It just the number one thing for me is just fitness, and it just seems like the last two years we cannot keep players fit. And yeah, and it's it's just really sucks. So I'm I've turned. I'm at a point now where I said in the past Chelsea's a big dog. When we see them on paper against a team, I always feel confident that we can get a win. And unfortunately, we're at a, we're in a period where. Every single game, whether it's Sheffield or Man City, I'm questioning whether we can get a result. I generally do. So, um, I mean, teaser, but I do think we're going to beat Sheffield this weekend. But if we really struggle in this game, regardless of the result, whether we win or draw or lose, I just, it's just, it's really, it's really bad, man. I really do think we could be dropping, like, Palace is struggling. They're below us. Bournemouth are climbing up. Wolves are climbing. Everton are climbing. Even Luton. We're seeing Luton. Yeah, they've got passion. In tough games against Liverpool, Arsenal, and City. Credit, or I should, some leeway. They were all at Luton. So that, that gives them some boost. But still, you're playing those teams. 
you're heavy underdogs and you're putting up a great fight and you see what they're going for. And I don't see what Chelsea's doing. So um, I, I need more out of Poch and that staff to get out of these players. They just got to find a way to, to, to get the points. I don't care how it looks. Just get the points. I don't even know, like, I, I don't even think I put any of this blame, well, I put some of it on Pochettino, but I don't put a lot of it on Pochettino because when I remember the good Chelsea teams, the really good Chelsea teams, I'm not even talking about 2019 Chelsea, that, or was it 2020 or 21 that they won the Champions League? 21. 21. That was a good side, but it wasn't as good as, you know, the Chelsea teams that I'm thinking of with Drogba and Hazard and Lampard and Terry and Petter Cech. That's that's another thing. The keeper, Robert Sanchez is ass. He's terrible. He's like Raya. They both fucking suck. Um this team is not even close. It's not even close. There are just not players that have the skill ceiling that those players had. Broya, like I don't know. He's not he can't be a Chelsea was, number nine. He was terrible in this game. It was awful. Awful. And Nico Jackson, sorry, man, you don't have the aura. If Chelsea are going to be as big as they used to be, there's something to be said for buying a player with some aura. Maybe it'll be in Kunku, but I, I don't know. It, Chelsea have come a long, well, gone a long way from the Chelsea that I used to fear. That's That's for certain. They used to be scary. And they would fucking mangle you in the midfield. And this, Caicedo and Gallagher, that doesn't strike fear in anybody's heart. Maybe last year Caicedo would have, but not now. And and one more thing before we move on. Are, are Caicedo and Gallagher any better than Jorginho and Kovacic would be in this team? No. No. And those guys you had already. And I mean, I don't remember what... What did we pay for Jorginho? 35 mil? Yeah, it was something like, like that, I think which was, was crazy. No, I think it was like 15 or something. Oh, well, he sucks, but um, he probably fits in better right now than Gallagher does. And I like Connor Gallagher. I think he could be uh, a decent player, but he's not, you know, he's not, a Chel he's not Chelsea quality, right? He just needs to be more advanced. He needs like a, a, a proper six behind him to take away some defensive duties. Yeah, like what he did at was he at Palace? It was Palace. Yeah, he, he played yeah. as the ten, and he had guys covering for him. Yeah. So I don't know. It's bleak. I I understand where you're coming from, and it's not a position I envy. That's for sure. No. Uh, before we move on, credit to Everton. I enjoy watching them play right yeah. now. Um, I'm looking forward to their match against Burnley this weekend for Sean Dyche. Um, okay, we move on. Fulham. Five West Ham nil. Yeah, they're cooking. Um, wow, Fulham are in their what was that in their last three? No, in their last four games have scored sixteen goals. In their last four games, they've scored twenty six all year. Holy shit! Um, Raúl Jiménez, a menace to us in this in the history of the pod banging goals for fun at the moment he's got four already um scores one in the 22nd here william in the 31st uh adebayo in the 41st harry wilson in the 60th and then carlos vinicius in the 89th um holy shit fulham skyrocketing up the table they're in 10th 
on 21 points, a zero goal differential. They're in the mix. They're right behind West Ham now, who are on 24 points in ninth. West Ham were on a four-game unbeaten streak and then just get absolutely walloped here on the road. Um, what have you seen from Fulham in recent times that's made this change possible? Honestly, the switch kind of just flipped. Um, they're way more clinical in finishing. Willian and Iwobi have stepped up uh, massively. Iwobi is like one of my like top five wish we would have kept him knew he would develop players and it took him a long time he was rotting away for a couple of years but i think a lot of this comes from those forward positions tom kearney has been fantastic when he's played uh he was really good in this game and i think a, a lot of it comes down to the fact that um marco silva has realized the defense was dog shit this year, terrible, and just said, fuck it, get forward. We're going to try and bury teams so that it doesn't matter how we defend. Um, the past three weeks, that's kind of seemed the way that they're playing. They're playing with so much intensity up top um, and, and being as like way more clinical than you would ever imagine Fulham being without Mitrovic. I don't know. It seems like a switch has totally flipped. West Ham are a good side. Um, you know, really threatening when Kudus is having his day and really threatening when Bowen is having his day. They got absolutely fucking battered. Battered in the midfield. Battered up top. Zuma and Aguirre could not keep up. Um, crazy. Goals from all over the pitch. I think Fulham are just going to, you know, for the rest of the season, just ball the fuck out and try and score as many as they can because they can't defend. Yeah, and on the flip side for West Ham here, just one of those that didn't go their way, but, I mean, they had to keep it somewhat respectable and they couldn't. Um, what do you think for them going forward here? West Ham? Yeah. Um, I don't know. They won a European trophy last season, so I think, you know, they were pretty happy with that. I don't know what is going on in Europa League with them. I believe they are qualified. Um or at least close to qualification to move on to the, the last 16. So that's good. Um, West Ham and, and our friend Cookie's a West Ham fan. Um, he says a lot to me. He's like, I don't think they care about the Premier League. They only care about these weird little cups. And it's kind of true. I don't think they've been knocked out of any cup so far yet this season. Uh, they beat the shit out of Arsenal in the Carabao Cup. Uh, I think that game was like 3-1 or 4-1. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're not in a terrible spot on the table. They're in ninth. They're not playing their best football in the league either. Um, they've got three wins in their last five, the other one being a draw, and then the last being this loss. But it's they're kind of perplexing. You know, I think they have enough quality. Bowen got the start at striker here, which was kind of weird. I, you don't see him play as a, a singular number, number nine uh, very often. Paqueta was right behind him playing center forward, but kind of a weird lineup here Paqueta needs to be a little bit further back and you know the attacking mid roll or even box the box if he if he needs to be this was excuse me quite strange in terms of the way they lined up and it absolutely did not work so the new game plan I think for for Moyes has to be something else you know something other than this I don't think this is going to work 
Yeah, Bowen filling in for Antonio now with an extensive injury, and they're playing Kudus out where Bowen normally should be playing, so maybe not his number one spot, and that's why they can't get the best out of him and firing off. But they're they're gonna make they're gonna have to make do with what they got at the moment, and they got Danny Ings on the bench. You can go with him and Maxwell Cornet. They brought him last season from Burnley, and it just doesn't seem like he's getting anywhere near any time. He's we know he's an explosive winger. That can change things, but they'll prefer Pablo Fornells, your boy. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, moving on, we got two games left. Yep. Luton won, Man City two. Main storyline here, Erling Holland missed the game with bone a foot bruise. in. Yep, bone bruise. He has a foot injury. Um, he may be in question for this weekend's game. They, I believe they're in the Champions League tomorrow, right? So we'll have to wait. Yeah, and see. but they're, they've qualified already, so it shouldn't be that big a deal not having him. So, yeah, he probably wouldn't have played anyway. Rodri yeah. was back. Um, we saw Luton, though, right before the half, got the opening goal. That was at halftime, 1-0. Townsend with the assist to Adebayo. Uh, 62nd minute, Bernardo Silva gets the equalizer. And then in the 65th, Jack Grealish back from suspension as well gets the winner post game you saw how much it meant to pep they loved it big celebrations after an extended four game match winless streak they get three points they needed four points behind liverpool up top they're three points above tottenham who are in fifth um this again one of those games from a top team evan that just you get three points and you're glad bit of a trap game Certainly. Um, maybe wrong. I mean, I, I know I kind of wrote City off last week. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't inspired by this performance. I wasn't. I, just like I wasn't inspired by Arsenal's 4-3 win over Luton. Luton are playing better, certainly. Rob Edwards got them, you know, playing, actually. Uh, after the way they started the season, which is good. Um, and the fans are behind them, and it's actually very hard to play here. Uh, and even some of the city players said, like, it's, you are very, very close to the fans. The, you know, that's that much is very clear. Um, I don't think Alvarez can fill Holland's shoes. Those bone bruises, man, they are really painful to play through. Uh, Holland's pretty tough. I know that. But... You, the odds of you seeing Holland the next three weeks, especially if it's right where, you know, he likes to make contact the ball right towards, you know, the sweet spot on your boot. If the, if the bone bruise is right there and he got stepped on, I know he got stepped on hard. Um, you're not going to see him for a couple of weeks. And yeah, you never know during this holiday period, they drop it. They maybe maybe they get a draw or they drop one against Palace or they drop one. I think they have Brentford. Uh, that's no, maybe that one got postponed. It but is. They, they don't they're have gonna like have a, they're gonna have a week off there. Yeah, they don't have like cakewalks. And also curious that they have a week off there. Interesting stuff. Um, they play Man City right after Christmas. It's not quite Boxing Day. I think it's on the twenty seventh. These aren't cake games. Uh, Palace didn't lay down for Liverpool. I don't expect them to lay down uh, for for City. They're saying Eze could be back any time in the next couple of few, like few weeks. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't think we'll see him until the new year. But yeah, I wasn't super inspired. I still don't think uh, Alvarez can fill the shoes of 
Holland, they're going to rely a lot on Grealish and Silva, which is what they had to do in this game. Having Rodri back is huge, but he just got another yellow. So Rodri's going to miss more games this season with uh, yellow accumulation. There's no doubt about that. It's just, um, it's kind of, it's kind of strange. Things don't look quite right at City. Uh, I think after this game, you you know, you'd still be able to agree with that, right? Well, one positive, De Bruyne is listed for their Club World Cup squad come the new yeah. year. So they're planning on him to be playing in that in the next three weeks. Man City, odds-wise, for the our favorites for the title, minus 120. Then you got Liverpool, 300. Arsenal, third and 380. Villa, fourth favorites, 1,800. So mm. the bookies got Villa up there with very high odds. Um, the one I'd be looking at right now is uh, top six finish, Man United is plus one ten. I would be that would be my favorite bet right now for them to finish top six because the worst they finish in seventh and they always find a way to to squeak. Results. Yeah, somehow you're right. But yeah, I think Man City. Yeah, uh, this isn't the same. They've been dropping points here and there. Foden played at the ten. That was something new. Uh, Alvarez at the nine didn't have the same presence as you mentioned. Was getting bullied a bit. So. Yeah, they're going to need Holland if they want to win this title. And we saw last year he was healthy the whole year. Now we're seeing missed time from him, and maybe the results continue to drop off for them. But even if they're down 12 points, I still would give them favorites to come back. They've just earned that much respect. All right, we move on to the last game. Tottenham 4, Newcastle 1. Once again, perfect team at the right time for Tottenham. They were on a five-game winless streak to get a massive win to keep them in fifth position. Now on 30 points, only three behind Man City in fourth. Um, goals started from Udogi in the 26th. Richarlson getting a brace, the first in the 38th and the second in the 60th. And then Sun on a penalty in the 85th. Jolington Joel scored a consolation goal in the 91st. Um, what do you think about the performance here from Spurs? Richarlson getting a brace, that's massive. That's something. And he scored with his feet twice. Yep. So uh what'd you think over the overall performance for them getting these three points with the limited squad? I thought they played really well. Uh I think uh Pape Sar has been a bit of a revelation in the midfield. Basuma's dropped off, but Sar's picked up uh in terms of performance. Dunny, excellent, great game. Um I, I guess whatever pubic surgery that Rich Arlison had, uh, you know, yeah. kind of. They said he'd be out until the new year. I know. And the guy's back. So maybe, you know, he just needed to get the lead out or something. He had, a blockage. Or something. He, had a, he had a blockage in the pubic area. I have no idea, but he seems to uh, he seems to have really kind of responded well to the treatment. Uh, he looked fantastic, I thought. One of them was a tap-in, but whatever. He's there uh, to finish the goal. Great stuff. Son looking you know, as creative as he possibly can be while being hurt. He's a bit banged up right now. Uh, scored a goal and I think assisted two, if I recall. Yeah. Um, yep. and, and you're getting a goal from a defender. Destiny Odogi's been, been really good for them um, in the kind of role that uh, Emerson Royale, he, he played on the right, but... Uh, Udogi is is a very good fullback. They just locked up uh, him. You know, they extended his contract, and it's looking like maybe Star could be next. So nice to get Romero back again. A yellow for him right after serving a suspension. Uh, we we hate to see that, especially as a Romero fantasy owner. 
but it goes to show you that when when Spurs aren't like without five of their talisman players uh, and they have an actual striking option, it can still be solid. This team, if you threw, you probably move Brennan Johnson to the bench, or you could probably move Kulu to the bench too. Maybe not after what he did a couple of weeks ago, that heroic uh, goal, but. Uh, and throw Madison in there, and then throw uh, Vandevin right back alongside Romero. This is a team that would go right back to the top of my list for teams you don't want to play. So they can keep this up and get those guys back, then I wouldn't even count Tottenham out for like a top three finish. They, they've they really responded well to, uh, to Postacoglu. And then on the other side for Newcastle, they look tired, don't they? Like really, really tired. That was the narrative that the media has been pushing. It's been the same starting 11 for five games in a row. They're tired. They're tired. Your boy Alan Shear, they're, they're paid professionals. This is their job. You go out there, you perform. End of I know. I, yeah, I mean, I you can't blame it all on not having... Um, At the minimum, you can't be conceding four goals. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, Jamal LaSalle has actually been pretty good for them, uh, you know, subbing in for Dan Byrne, but I don't think he's as good as Dan Byrne. And the thing, he, like the, the real issue here was Kieran Trippier got absolutely rinsed. Two games two in a row. Two of the now. goals, two of the goals I would, you know, attribute directly to Trippier not being able to stay with this man and, and keep the ball in front of him. He, he got Cooked. Do you think that was uh, part, on the of the, line. part of the game plan in the in the prior days upcoming to play Sun on the left to go at Trippier? Possibly. Yeah, I mean Sun Sun can play both sides. He can also play striker. He could play centrally just because he's so good with both feet. Um but yeah, I think that's that that does make sense, you know. Um naturally he is a left mid, left wing. Um but I think that's that certainly has, you know, some some heft to it. That theory, because Trippier looked really bad last week, and he looked, and maybe not worse this week, but certainly way off of his normal pace. And Trippier also like is not as effective if if Newcastle aren't controlling the game. If he can't get forward, because he's not quick, he just finds himself very often in a crossing position. If he can't get there. And you're getting, you know, Newcastle are getting their their fucking lights kicked in. Um, he can't get up there, and he can't contribute in that way and make up for what he may lack defensively. Uh, instead, he's just, you know, sitting back there, getting constantly pressured by people running at him with the ball and getting rinsed. It's it's hard for Trippier when Newcastle aren't on the front foot. Yeah, I think we talk about managers making big critical moments and changing tactics. And I think for myself, just you see, analyze the game and you see Trippier, he's he's aged a bit and he doesn't have the pace. So you push Son to his primary position at the left. He's pacey, he's quick, he's good on the ball. Have him attack in one-on-one, got two, two assists and a goal. You see with uh, Everton, Chelsea tried to do this and... Everton was smart and made an early change. Mudrick was eating Ashley Young up alive. They subbed him out after 20 minutes, and Nathan Patterson did a much better job defending Mudrick and cut off that left side. And you see with the with a sorry Liverpool with Trent, they exposed Trent out there on the left. They get many of attacks down the left, 
And it goes yep. on and on. You see in the modern game, these advanced fullbacks, Tottenham specifically inverted fullbacks, the areas to attack are behind them in the corners, in those pockets. If you can get your big wingers one-on-one with these players, that's where you can open things up and create and cut inside and hit the cutback or maybe a back post shot. So I think tactically, Pasta nailed it. Kulisevsky, you mentioned maybe benching him. I don't think they can. He's got to start every game. Him at the 10 here was great. A nice yeah. change of pace. And you see, when your striker scores goals, these positive results happen. And if Richarlson can keep this up, if he can get a goal every other game, they'll be right back in the top four, even without Madison and Vandeven. And when those guys come back, the title pushes back on. They're still within seven points after dropping five straight games. They're still in the mix. Don't yeah. don't count them out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's all the games from week 16. Uh, let's do best and worst player of the week before we move on. We've been extending this a bit after the long rants. Um, yeah. Had to get it out. Uh, let's start with our bad player here. A lot of options to pick from here, Evan, I'd have to say. Who are you going to go with? Did I give it to Trippier last week? No. you. I forget who you gave it to. That wasn't Trippier, though. Well, you can have it this week. He was absolutely useless. Did nothing to stop Sun. Um, A lot of the creative play came through Sun in this one. Uh, You limit Sun's involvement in the game. You limit Richarlison's involvement in the game. This game could have ended much, much differently. Um, But he left that entire right flank just 100% exposed, or left flank, depending on the way you're looking at it. Uh, Yeah, it's got to be him for me. I think he was shocking in this one. Uh, I go with a lot of Chelsea guys, but I'm going to stop talking about them. I'm going to go with Amrabat. Um, they're playing him at the mm. six. He's just, it's not, it's just not for him at the moment. They just can't play with him at the six. And when Casemiro comes back, hopefully he's back to where he was last season because they need him to be there. So I'm going to go with Amrabat. Um, okay. Flip side of things. Let's go with the best player brought to you by the main man, Eli. I'm the best man. I did it. Who topped it out for you this week, Evan? Um, I'm going to give this one to a, a bit of a strange one. This one's going to go to Philip Billing. Um, he's been coming off the bench for Bournemouth the past three games. He's got two goals or a goal and two assists or two goals and an assist in his last three games. He's coming on around the 60th minute or so. Uh, and getting involved every single time he's come on. He's a huge part of why Bournemouth have been able uh, to win some of these games. They're in great form right now. They had that 2-0 win against Newcastle. They had a 3-1 over Sheffield. They drew Aston Villa, which is insane looking at it now. They went 2-0 against Palace, 3-0 against United. They got Luton up next. I think he's been absolutely instrumental um, in assisting them. Uh, going forward when he's come on in the 60th minute and he's accepted the the demotion to the bench or at least the change in role because it doesn't seem like it's been that much of a demotion. He's been putting in excellent 30-minute shifts at the end of the game. He's kind of a super sub for them right now. Um, I think he's been amazing the last couple of weeks and this one against the United team that Bournemouth should never be competing against, really. They should probably be losing games like this. Um 
really impressive. Have to give it to him. I was I'm thrilled with the way he's playing. Yeah, a new role for him that he's taken on and he's, he's embraced it, yeah. Yeah. So uh for me I'm gonna go with James Trafford. We talked about stand stood on his head, earned a hard point against Brighton, uh, got his first clean sheet against Sheffield in that five 0 and he's been called on after uh, a brilliant summer winning at the Euros for U twenty one. Um, not conceding a single goal and going through a rough patch to start the year here and now halfway through I think he's found his legs a little bit and is finally getting some some rewards so I think yeah shout out to him for that the performance against Brighton okay yeah close the show here we got our week 17 predictions uh we got a we got a game this Friday a solo game Friday night football Forest hosting Tottenham here Evan what are you thinking here Tough one here. Um, Nottingham Forest looks solid against Wolves. I don't know if Tottenham will be able to replicate the performance they just put forth upon Newcastle. Um, but I'm going to go with Spurs anyway. I think they obviously outclassed them on paper. And um, I know the game's at the city ground. It's away, but Tottenham should still be able to win this one. Yeah, I'm thinking if, if Forest come out with that five back uh, with the wing backs in Tuffalo and... Nico Williams that can expose them in the middle and I think with Kulisevsky if he plays again how they did this past weekend at the 10 I think that's going to be really dangerous having Son and Johnson pace on the wings mm-hmm. um, and if for Charleston can bag that first goal I think this could be a, could be a route so I'm going to go with Spurs uh, and Zach has Spurs as well okay moving on Saturday we got five matches the first one listed here we got Man City hosting Palace I'm going to go Man City. Zach's going Man City as well. Jordan Ayew will be suspended. Larma's definitely going to miss with injury. Um, no Eze, no Ducore, no no Tyreek Mitchell, no Sam Johnston probably. Is there any hope for Palace here, Evan? They always perform well at the Etihad. They always find I, a way. I am taking a draw. I think with no Holland. Holland lives for this kind of game. To go out there, pump three past the battered Crystal Palace in terms of injuries. Something odd's going to happen. I'm taking Palace. I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I don't like City to win this one in a route. I think this game is much closer than everybody's thinking. Yeah, Palace have performed pretty well on the road this year. They've earned 11 of their 16 points on the road. So I do think there's a little something into it, especially if Holland doesn't play, which I'm sure he won't. If he does, it'll be a limited minutes. So it'll be one to watch for sure. Um, okay, we got Newcastle hosting Fulham. This should be a banger. Um, Evan, what are you thinking? High scoring. Uh, if I had to guess, I I don't think Fulham are going to quit it, you know, the way that they've played in the last couple of weeks. I think they continue that. Again, I don't think it's going to be all that big a deal for them going forward, especially if Trippier's back there. Uh, we saw you know, how susceptible they were to Spurs last week who threw a lot forward. I think Fulham do it again. I think Fulham win. That would be a statement win. To win it would. It'd be, this is a big James. one. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to roll the dice and go with Fulham. Yep, uh, I agree. I'm going with Fulham, and so is Zach. So that's never a good one. We all agree most of the time here on these picks. Um, next, we got Bournemouth hosting Luton. This could be a underrated game here. Could be a lot of spicy uh, goals. You never know. Um, but Luton are on the road here against a high-flying Bournemouth team who have are on a five-game unbeaten streak. 
Um, I'm going with a draw here. Zach's taking Bournemouth. I'm going to go with a draw as well. Um, I feel like Luton have played abnormally well the last two games. One, you know, they played Arsenal and then they played City. They only lost by a goal in in each game. I think you know Bournemouth are playing well right now, but surely something's got to fall for Luton eventually. Um, I like this game to be a draw. I'm with you. Okay, and the last ten o'clock game for the Saturday window. Chelsea hosting Sheffield. I already gave my pick earlier. I'm back in Chelsea. Uh, Zach's taking Chelsea as well. Yeah, and I'll then, take Chelsea. Okay. Yeah, Chelsea. What What if they don't win this game? Are there any concerns for you? Um. Yeah, when does Nkunku get to play? <laughs> That's where my next thought goes. Like, uh, Who else are you guys going to bring in to shore up the midfield in the offseason? Are you going to be like... There will be, you know what I mean? There will be definite striker signing in January. I can promise you maybe, that. Maybe Tony Cruz, instead of retiring, will come be the general in the midfield. Or Modric. Something. Maybe they buy Angola back. <laughs> he, he can't play! He's like, he, he he's never on the field. Although, to be honest, he hasn't been hurt in, in Saudi Arabia, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the physios just weren't up to snuff at Chelsea. Something. There's something going on in that in that um, training room, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's hope. Uh, Saturday, prime time game. We didn't think this would be big, but Burnley hosted Everton. Sean Dice returns to his home. Um, what are you thinking, Evan? Everton going to continue the roller coaster ride up, or is Burnley going to spoil the party? Now oh, we got to go with Everton here. I think uh, Dice felt wrongly uh, let go there. Uh, they they obviously got a nice manager in, in replacement, but seemingly at this point, Dice is of a higher quality. So uh, I think Everton continue their march up the table. I like them to win this one. And we were spot on about that team being egged on by the you know deduction of points. We were just a week early on it. Yeah, um, it was just one of those United polar, uh, bipolar games. Um I really think Burnley can put something up in this game. I'm taking Everton, and so is Zach, but this is a massive six-pointer. If Everton win, Burnley would be, depending on what Forrest do Friday, they could be six to seven points adrift from safety, which could be really demoralizing. So I really think they're going to push it here, but I just have too much backing in Everton. I think that has a lot to do with the recency bias, but I wouldn't count Burnley out here. I think they'll dominate possession a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sunday, we we start off with the one of three 9 a.m. games. We've got Arsenal hosting Brighton. Um, what are you thinking here? Tricky, tricky game. Um, we better win. That's what I'm telling you. Um, yeah, Brighton, you know, not super inspiring. Uh, last week against Burnley. The week before that, they edged one against Brentford. Uh, Chelsea beat them the week before that. So they're not in great form. They've got a couple of results. Um, I think Arsenal are much better than them right now. I worry if Matoma is actually starting this game. I think he could carve up those outside backs. But uh, I'll take especially, uh, uh, God forbid, Matoma won't play on the right, so it shouldn't be that big a deal. But if Ben White is out there, like we should be okay. But... Yeah, you never know. I'll take Arsenal, but it, this one could be testy. You're right. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm taking Arsenal. Zach is as well. Next up, we got Brentford hosting Villa. Uh, the G Tech is a tough place to play, but Brentford, 16 games, seven defeats. Um, when it comes to them at home, though, only two defeats. So this should be tough for Villa, especially on the road. That's where they're most susceptible. Excuse me. Uh, I'm still back in the villains. Zach is as well. Um, Evan, clean sweep. No draw. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I would think that, but Brentford have been playing so shit. There's no way, like they have to step it up at some point. I think they could do it here. Surely Villa are going to be a little bit high on their horse after who wins in City and Arsenal. Yeah, they'll be on short rest as well. They have a game Thursday, their last conference league game. So we'll see who they rest depending on Thursday's lineup choice. But yeah, um, do you think it, it has to be a low scoring draw, right? You don't see Brentford yes, scoring low scoring. Two, one, one. two goals here. Nope, not against this Villa defense right now. I think 1-1 one, is the way to do it. And I, I think Villa obviously will play better as well. But I just think maybe Brentford nick a goal and are able to sit back. We know they're able to sit back. They did it against Arsenal. They're very capable. I, w- um, I wouldn't worry about Villa's defense leaking. I'm worried about Brentford creating chances. With the- well, that's what I mean. I was like, I, I don't think they're going to get more than one goal against them just because that defense is still good. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next one. This is up there for one of the toughest ones to call for me. West Ham hosted Wolves. I'm going to go with Wolves. Zach has taken a draw. The Hammers at home, do they bounce back after that disappointing and really embarrassing defeat? Yeah, we're going to cover all the bases here. I'm going to take West Ham. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe, especially if Bowen's starting back up top, you know, Maybe I don't think that's the way like that's what they need to be doing. I actually think that's an awful idea, but uh, if they're going to continue to do that, maybe last week was a trial period. He didn't get all that much of a shot, to be honest. Uh, They got smoked pretty early. Uh, Maybe he's a little bit better in this one. Maybe West Ham. He has a goal scorer. Maybe West Ham uh, take a point here. They're in decent form. They just had that terrible loss last week, and they're like Kind of challenging for top eight, so I think they'll be up for this one. I'll take West Ham. Yeah, this should be a battle of the midfields here, and West Ham should have the numerical advantage with their three to Wolves, normal two center mids. But um, if Wolves can break that initial press and hit the wings where they're at their best, I think it should be troubling for West Ham. So, um, okay. And then the, the game of the week that everybody will be talking about, we have Liverpool hosting United, the, the Sunday night kickoff. Um, 11.30 for us. This is open for a route. I'm taking Liverpool, so is Zach. Is there any hope for United here now that Maguire is out? Luke Shaw, you mentioned, got injured, and now Bruno Fernandes suspended for this game. No. Rashford potentially starting on the bench as well um, due to just form. Is there any chance... At Anfield. No. However. Okay. Kobe Mainu is going to have to play. This guy has because <laughs> I mean. He's going to have to play. He's going to have to play no like Prime Angola if they need to have a chance. He's got a game once this year that everybody seemed to think he, he could be the next one. So 
if they play him and they move McTominay forward and right. play him yep. as a center forward or cam behind Hoyland, I think there's a chance they could at least get a draw out of this game. Like, I, I genuinely feel that McSauce could be the one to, you know, knock Liverpool down a peg just for a moment. I'm going to take a draw. They could lose. They could also lose 7 nothing. Let's put that out there. That's very possible, especially with the defenders that they're going to line up back there. Um, but Varane's out of the torture chamber, so at least Varane's going to start. I don't know. It's not going to be pretty like any single way that you look at this game. A draw will not be pretty. And the other res- the other thing is them just losing 5-0. So, um, yeah, I don't think United can win, but I do think they can draw. I, something's telling me that's coming. Liverpool are going to be out for blood. There will be no mercy shown. Um, but Mason Mount I hope could not. make a return to the bench. Oh, I forgot he existed. He could be back on the bench in this game. Mason Pound. I actually forgot that guy was breathing. <laughs> oh my god they paid like 70 mil for him right uh yeah around 60 something like that you miss mason mount at all i miss the memories of what he was yeah but yeah he was thick that one year he was so good just ended on bad terms he thought he'd be going to greener pastures but somewhat of the same <laughs> if not worse so um, they were burnt and dry when he got there I hope he's enjoying the pay rise because that's all that's benefited for him. Um, hey, sorry, he's getting—he's honestly working for free, or like he's getting paid to do nothing. He's been injured the whole time. Yeah, it's like these NFL coaches that get fired after long contracts. He's just getting paid not to coach or not to play at the moment, which a lot of those United players are. Okay. Um. All right. One of the longer episodes we've done coming around an hour and a half, but that comes down to the the depressing talk we had to do with Chelsea and United there. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. Check us out on our socials at Post20Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow us on our the streaming platforms where you guys listen to every episode, past and future, on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We will be back the next week. Yeah, we have early games next week as well thursday so that'll be right in the christmas period it'll be hard to schedule a game in, a, a recording in between the following because there's a game on christmas eve and then boxing day so i don't think we'll be able to record on christmas day but what we'll, we'll, no. that we'll, we'll talk about that later before the upcoming episode in the future but yeah, looking forward to these games this weekend. There's a lot of implica- implications behind them, and hopefully they turn out to benefit both of us here in both a title yep. chase and for pride for our individual cases. But, yeah, Evan, anything else to add before we close? Ah, that's it. All right, well, take care, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>